Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. Dr. Brett Nelson. Dr. Nelson is professor and coordinator of the school psychology program at California State University, San Bernardino. Dr. Nelson is a nationally certified school psychologist and has numerous publications on positive mental health and wellness in children and adolescents. He's been a provider of mental health services to children, adolescents, and adults for 35 years. He's initiated and researched multiple school mental health models. And Dr. Nelson's work with NASP, the National Association of School Psychologists, Prepare Crisis Team and Prevention Model, is one of the reasons we have the doctor with us this afternoon. Dr. Nelson, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon and welcome. You're, you're quite welcome. I'm glad to be here. I, um, my husband is uh, an orthopedic surgeon in the Inland Empire. He was on lockdown and uh, knows, unfortunately, the scene all too well from a physician's standpoint. At home, I have a 7- and 8-year-old. And I want to tell you two quick things, doctor, so people understand why we're going to talk about this today. Uh, not just about my children, but uh, but the children, not just of San Bernardino, Southern California, the Inland Empire, but the country and even the world. We were going for Thanksgiving to visit my in-laws in Orlando, and my daughter's suitcase was pulled aside, her little monster high blinking, you know, girly suitcase. And my son was very upset that they were going through all her toys. He was afraid they were going to break something. His stormtrooper was in there. Why were they taking the stormtrooper? What were they doing to it? And I could see the TSA person getting very upset. He's only eight. I pulled him aside and he said, why are they doing this? And I paused. And it was then that I sat there in the airport in Orlando, Florida, coming back to Los Angeles after Thanksgiving. And I told my son about 9-11. Since then, the attacks in San Bernardino occurred. It was impossible with what I do for a living, for my children not to hear bits and pieces. And they also saw and heard bits and pieces about Paris on TV, my husband and I talking about things, um, him as a physician, also his family is Muslim, and um, just all of these things. And we had to sit down and explain to our children about these bad people, but it was different with 9-11. They're, they're all dead. Different with Paris. Oh, that's far away where the Eiffel Tower is, because now this was in our backyard. The bottom line is, we, whether this is our new normal or not, it is part of our lives and has been since 9-11 and part of the world largely prior to that. Dr. Nelson, we have to learn the best way to talk to our children about this kind of violence and about terrorism. Would you agree? Yes, and um, the first thing that I would reinforce is that you attempted to talk to your son and your daughter in the first place rather than ignore and try to push forward and pretend that nothing was happening uh, uh, relative to the TSA person. 
that's the first way that we are able to listen to our kids by offering to be able to talk to them and find out what they're thinking and feeling. So uh, that's wonderful that you did that. There are about 50,000 students, as you know, in the San Bernardino City Unified School District, even more in the surrounding cities who might be a part of county. Uh, Many of those students spent the latter half of that day, that terrible day, where 14 were killed and more than 20 wounded by those two terrorists, uh, spent on lockdown. Uh, Some were in school and some were very close to where this occurred at the Inland Regional Center, um, where the mass shooting uh, occurred. Um, When I was a little girl, I was afraid the boogeyman was in the closet and under the bed and the boogeyman wasn't real. But our children are seeing that the boogeyman is real. Um, So uh, let's talk about, first of all, um, it's normal as a parent, it's normal as an adult to struggle to make sense of a traumatized situation ourselves. And it is difficult for us often to understand how we can help our children cope because we're traumatized and having difficulty figuring it out for ourselves as adults, correct? Well, absolutely. I still don't fully understand the circumstances and the motivation for the shooting, as as many people do not. And I think it's okay to communicate to our children that we don't fully comprehend certain situations, but we're still there for them, and we're still going to do everything we can to make them safe and to uh, support them and let them trust us in that way. So it's okay not to fully understand. I don't know, maybe you understand more than I do. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's still in many ways unfathomable that someone would do what they did and and left their six-month-old child. No, I I don't understand, especially as a woman and and knowing the bond a woman uh, feels. I don't understand why they got... You know, I mean, they allegedly were radicalized before they married. I don't understand why they married and why they had children. That's a whole different story we'll talk about another time, Dr. Nelson. Um, With regard to the children, um, you have a list, and and, and let's go through this because I think it's an excellent list, and and I'm a real critical mom, so that is a compliment. Um, (laughs) Thank you you very much. And I have children, too, Leslie, that are similar in age. They're um, 9 and 11, so... Um, we're, we're talking about the same level of um, cognitive processing and emotional processing. Um, children in this situation, just like us, they're anxious, uh, they're worried, they're dealing with the unknown, and you, you had said this. The first thing we need to do is assure them that they're safe. And that's kind of like saying, trust us, everything's okay, everything's going to be okay, we're going to keep you okay, right? Yeah, uh, even though... We're hedging our bets a little bit because we hope that everything is going to be okay. But I I do, you know, whereas it's important to be honest with our children, we do want to communicate to them a a sense of safety, predictability, and that we're going to be there for them. No matter what happens, we're going to be there for them. It's that unconditional part that we as parents have to fulfill. So, yes, um, we don't always know what's going to take place, and we do know that the likelihood of something like this repeating itself is uh, a million to one. Nevertheless, uh, there's always the fear of the unknown. So, Well, and, and, you know, I know that this is very different, but, you know, even with divorce, right? I mean, there has to be a sense of safety established, um, or if there is some kind of a crisis, whether the house is burning down, an earthquake, 
somebody died in the family, mommy and daddy have to go away, that you're going to be okay here with auntie. We're coming back. Everything's right. okay. You're, you're safe. You know, right. there, there, nothing's wrong. You know, it's okay. And, and sometimes it's difficult as parents when we are freaking out um, because of, of circumstances that we're uh, not knowledgeable about, but we still have to put on a front that everything is going to be okay. We, we have to put our kids first. Um, and there's no other way to put that. And um, you had mentioned, um, you know, on the air, Dr. Nelson, that you have two children. Um, you have a son and daughter, like I do, uh, 9 and 11. And your children wanted to watch the news on yes. Wednesday, the day of the terrorist attack, the day of the massacre. Um, did you choose to let them and why? And is that something that in your you know, position with your expertise that you recommend that we do with our children? Or is there an age cutoff? Uh, very young children, I would not recommend, meaning preschoolers and below. But school-age children watch TV. Um, and obviously, they're more used to technological reception than we are. Uh, the other thing is kids are going to find out things. And um, <clears throat> they're going to get a lot of misinformation. And I would much rather have my kids watch television and, and allow me to process it with them to help them filter what is going on. Um, I, I, and I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. Even though I did that with my son, Yesterday, when I was talking with him, he said that he'd heard that Obama is going to keep us from being able to buy any more guns. Um, where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> so it's simply meant to demonstrate that kids get information from a variety of sources. I would rather them get it from us um, by processing what they see on television. And so that's what I did, and uh, I, I do think that that is a good course of action. And with regard to watching it, you also talk about guiding them through it, right? Right, right. Uh, part of what we need to do is to tell them the truth and give them the facts as, the, as we know it. And one of the things that we know differently now than we did last Wednesday was part of the motivation for what took place. And it was difficult um, on Wednesday because we did not know why the shooters uh, had perpetrated. And, it, it's you know, the unknown is more difficult than the known. So that's part of the guidance. Um, guidance in terms of the, this is fact and this is not fact. Uh, kids at certain ages have a difficult time differentiating uh, reality, reality from fantasy. And... We all know that kids with all of the active shooter games, like special ops and those kind of games, sometimes have difficulty differentiating between what really happens to people when they die. So uh, one of the things that the National Association of School Psychologists suggests is that we have to take opportunities like this also to help our kids learn and for us to learn about ourselves and how we feel about things. Um, I think it's just as helpful as adults to talk about what took place and find out things about ourselves that we didn't know before. So, so very, yeah. very interesting, Doctor. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear some more very interesting things that are 
kind of common sense, their choices, do I do this or do I do that? But one thing that I, as a parent, had an aha moment with, we'll talk more with our guest, Dr. Brett Nelson, professor and coordinator of the School Psychology Program at California State University, San Bernardino. We'll be back right after this. Oh, by the way, the website for the NASP, the National Association of School Psychologists, um, and uh, that's um, the Prepare Crisis Team and Prevention Model, NASPO. Law, oh, excuse me, NASPonline.org. NASPonline.org. Back after this. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLIE. Nelson, professor and coordinator of the School Psychology Program at California State University, San Bernardino. He works with NASPs, the National Association of School Psychologists, Prepare Crisis Team and Prevention Model. Uh, Dr. Nelson, thank you for holding. Welcome back. We were talking about what is the best way to you know, deal with children, assuring them they're safe, guiding them through the news, watching the news with them. Another one that you list is use age-appropriate language. Uh, this seems to be common sense, but sometimes harder when describing uh, situations like terrorist attacks or murders, uh, which obviously uh, they're kind of interchangeable in my opinion. But um, the, um, the, you know, when you're talking about mass carnage and people dying, sometimes hard to find the language that's age-appropriate, especially when you're watching the news with kids, right? Right. And it also, depending on the age of the child, it's difficult for them to understand um, whether somebody is dead and what that means. And also that is contributed to by personal beliefs and religious beliefs. Uh, and I, you know, I do um, suggest that parents acknowledge that all of those are a part of who they are as they talk to their children about what, what occurred in age-appropriate language. Um, and, and sometimes we, you know, we need to balance reassurance for younger kids and not just tell them the facts, but tell them the facts and then let them know that everything's going to be okay. Older kids are going to uh, ask more questions and ask for more clarification. And they may even ask things like, well, were they still alive for a while when they were shot? Sometimes we don't know that, and we can say, well, we imagine some of them were. Um, we don't know how they felt at the time. So there are, there are developmental differences in terms of understanding, uh, and uh, we want to be aware of that. And there are also cultural and individual differences that families need to reckon with when they talk to their children. Um, I, you know, there may there may be interesting differences, Leslie, between, for example, your your own beliefs and your husband's beliefs if he is a Muslim and you are not. I and that I don't know. 
No, he is not. A, he's, he's raised that way, but not a, he's not a practicing Muslim. Right. But but in any family, we sometimes come from two different places, and we right. have two different understandings. And even if you don't come from two different places, I mean, my cousin's a staunch Democrat married to a staunch Republican, you know, and right. they just have a different, you know, a political ideology. Well, the, the aha moment for me came, doctor, was on the, your list of seven, number four. Know that they're watching you. Right. And, and, and that's not just relative to the mass shooting and trying to explain it. Kids are watching you all the time anyway. It, it's always surprising when children say things reflective of what the parents say because you're taken uh, by surprise because you're not, you don't think they're paying that close attention to you. And then they'll say some sort of witticism that you've used over and over again that you take for granted, and you go, where did they get that? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> they, they are watching you. They're, they're looking to you for how to be. You know, that's the essence of kids playing. When kids play, they uh, mimic what adults do. Um, I'm thinking that's what you're, look, you're looking at when you look at that particular point. Yes. Another is that you talk about have a family plan. And I agree with you. We have here in Southern California, as you know, Dr. Nelson, earthquake, right? Plans for earthquakes. Uh, right. People on the water have them for hurricane in the Midwest for tornadoes. Um, but we, we, my husband and I have been talking about, and then of course there are at schools, you know, they have fire drills and they know, you know, where to escape or in buildings, you take the stairs, not the elevator. Uh, we need to, you know, a drop cover and roll in the case of a, you know, a fire, um, you know, to hide, but make sure what you're hiding under with earthquakes, uh, you know, certain structures are not smart. Uh, we need to have a family plan in, in case of something like this, right? Yes. But we need to have a family plan for any number of natural and uh, man-made incidences. However, having said that, I'm as guilty as anybody as having a plan and not taking the time to review the plan. Um, so a plan is only good as our ability to enact it based on having practiced it. And I guess I borrow from the military. They do a wonderful job of practicing for future events, and we need to consider that. I mean, it, you know, it takes time to, if you're in a two-story house, to throw a rope ladder down from the second story, but if you don't do it, then you won't know how to do it. So not only make the plan and, you know, use it again as a learning opportunity to do it with your kids because you'd be surprised at what they're going to come up with, and then practice the plan. And then practice it again. So um, you say you have a plan at your home. Do you have a difficult time practicing it? Well, we just started talking about it. Uh, but okay. When I saw it on this so list, you haven't practiced about it. Yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> an, another thing you talked about, and all just educational, and, and these are just like, you know, common sense choices, I think. But you talk about maintain a routine and that it might have been actually helpful to for kids to understand you're safe, everything's okay. If everybody had gone back to school the next day, whereas a lot of parents in San Bernardino kept their kids home because of what had happened the day before on Wednesday. But you say maintaining a routine um, is key, that getting back to normal for children so that they can feel not only normal but safe as well, correct? Uh, Yes, because the predictability of a routine says that everything is the way it's supposed to be. And we're not going to have major changes because we are okay. So 
Uh, it's, it's just like you said in terms of if uh, two parents were divorced and you left your parents with your sister, your um, the child predicts that you're going to be there because you've done that over and over and over again. So the routine gives them a sense of security and safety and that everything is okay. Uh, at my daughter's middle school in Redlands, as she said, two-thirds of the kids were gone by one o'clock because the parents came and took them out of school. And um, I'm not questioning that as right or wrong by any means because parents in some ways were trying to reassure their kids. Uh, but it does create a sense of what's going on. Should my parents be coming? I, I almost felt like a bad parent because I didn't get my kid out of school. Uh, but, but, but I, you know, it was okay. So, yes, routine, predictability, consistency, those are all important. Uh, we have less than a minute left. So much I could ask you about, Doctor. What's uh, one very important point you'd like to leave our audience with before we go? Well, that kids are resilient and that they will grow from difficult situations and that we need to let them go and not always um, <clears throat> rescue them from uh, harm. I mean, we, we, we can't go through life without experiencing difficult situations. And by experiencing those difficult situations, we find out that we're quite capable of overcoming them. All right. So. Thank you. Thank you, Doctor. I appreciate it. Dr. Brett Nelson, professor and coordinator of the School Psychology Program at California State University, San Bernardino. The website for NASP is nasponline.org.